the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know, there's a lot of times we'll take a look at the Old Testament and read through a story or two and wonder, how does that apply to me today in the 21st century? I'm glad you asked. We'll explore the life of Samson and apply it to our lives today. Join us. Grace Bible Church here in Hayward and online at grace-bible.com. This is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Hi there. Welcome to our program today. We are back in the book of Judges, chapter 14, looking at verses 1 through 20. Samson gets a wife and God gets the glory. As we left off last time we were together, we were looking at the mystery of God's will in Samson's life. This fourfold will of God and the willfulness of Samson along with the will of his parents. We invite you to join us today as we explore the life of Samson that we might learn a lesson or two on what to and not to do in the grace of God in Christ. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Sometimes God will not show you what he's up to and you're going to live and die trying to figure out why such and such happened. You and I just got to live with that because that's what that first line is about. The first line is about the secret will of God who has a right not to tell his children everything. The Bible does say no good thing will God withhold from them that love him. That means if he withholds it, he loves you. If he doesn't share it with you, he knows it will hurt you. Am I making some sense, parents? You don't tell them everything, do you? No, you don't tell them everything. Because they'll change their mind about you if you told them everything. But God doesn't tell us everything because God has determined and decreed a relationship with him by faith. And faith always works by what? That means if you're going to have a relationship with God, you have to love him. And if you love him, you can trust him. And you can know he ain't going to never let you down, even though he's going to let you hang out for a while. Can you work with that? He'll let you hang out, but he ain't going to ever let you down. Now, hanging out can be scary, can it? It's like, Lord, where are you at? The Lord says, don't worry about it. I already told you I got you. Now you got to wait on God. And he always comes through. I'm, del- I'm sharing with you something because I want you to avoid what I hear in the community of the church often. And that is really a kind of uh, theological determinism where we overgeneralize the will of God and make the will of God everything. And you contradict yourself when you do that and you make people disturbed when you over uh, generalize the concept of God's will. Am I making sense? Let me go ahead on and share with you what I mean by that. On the one hand, God wills that we all obey him. Right. That's what his precepts are for. That's what the text says. They are revealed unto us and to our children forever that we may do what? 
all the words of this law. So his word is for us to do. But guess what God's putting up with? A bunch of people that's not doing his will. All right, say, Pastor, who are you talking about? Pull your phone out and put the camera on reverse and look at yourself. I want you to hear and to listen to me now. This is what we call God's permissive will. That's his permissive will. It's obvious, isn't it? God's permitting us to do all kind of crazy stuff in his world. But you see what we're dealing with now is a conundrum or a paradox, are we not? And the paradox is this. God's will is that we don't. But it's also that we do. Because if it wasn't also that we do, we wouldn't be doing it. So under his permissive will, he lets us sin. In the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall certainly perish. Now, God could have just simply say, leave it alone. But what he said was, if you choose to go down that path, you're going to be violating my prescriptive will and entering into my permissive will. You keeping up with me? There's too many people mess this concept up. Everything is not the will of God. Because if everything was the will of God, nothing would not be the will of God. Is it, a, is it the will of God for you to lie, steal, cheat, commit adultery, commit idolatry against God, murder? No, it's not. Under what category? The precept, the will of God. Right? Well, why are we doing it? Because God is permitting us to rebel against his will. Y'all got it, don't you? Good. So I, I want to make sure you people at Grace don't be misrepresenting the will of God. Now, there's another aspect of his will. Briefly, I want you to get it. Because under the preceptive will of God, where God allows his permissive will of God to occur, where his people rebel against him, God has another aspect of his will. Do you know what that's called? His redemptive will. His redemptive will. What does that mean? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. Everything is going to work after the counsel of him who has purposed it in order that his redemptive glory might shine through in the salvation of his people who nevertheless have rebelled against him, he permitting it in order to bring them into a right relationship through him by a redemptive process that we call Christ Jesus the Lord. Does that make some sense? That's what you're dealing with right here. You're dealing with this context right now in the same way. So I want you to make sure you get those categories because they're important. Why does God permit sin? In order that he might be glorified. Romans chapter 6, 23 says the wages of sin is what? That's called God's preceptive will, his prohibition against our disobedience. But the what? Gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's his redemptive will, working through his permissive will. See, because if all God gave us was his prohibitive will, we wouldn't even be having church. Because the one preaching to you is a sinner. And the folks that's listening to me, I am thoroughly persuaded are just as sinful as I am. 
And if it wasn't for God's grace, none of us would be experiencing the permissive, redemptive, sovereign will of God in Christ. It is therefore of the Lord that he has an occasion against the Philistines. Do y'all get that? It's of the Lord that he has occasion, occasion against the Philistines. So now let's look at somebody else's will briefly. Subpoint B, the willfulness of who? Samson. So we've got the will of God. We got the willfulness of Samson. And I'm sure you called it in the narrative. The the narrator, the Holy Ghost wanted you to get just a little bit of this this strong-willed child. This strong-willed child who goes down to the Philistine country and he sees a sister. Isn't that what it says? He sees a sister. Y'all don't know nothing about that. He sees his sister and he comes back home and says, mom and daddy, I want her. And then he does, does a little bit of explaining. She pleases me well. Well, for time's sake, I'm not going to go into it deeply, but here's what I'm going to argue for. That portion of the text, verse two and three, is as normal of human nature as you get. Don't jump on your self-righteous horse and try to beat down Samson because he's a heterosexual. If we don't map it onto our present generation, it makes no sense. And see, I'm a daddy. How many daddies in the house? How many mothers in the house? It's hard, isn't it hard? Is it hard? Isn't it hard? We got to do some work here, don't we? I got to redeem my brother Samson from a faulty narrative by which you guys miss God's glory in his life. I want to make sure you understand. Yes, he's willful because God has taught him from the time his eyes set on this earth that he is God. And God has a purpose in his life. And now the boy is about 18 to 20 years old. He's a gorilla. He's a monster in the good sense. And all kinds of things are fired up in him. And the natural process of transitioning from mom and daddy's house is that all of a sudden those crazy looking things that you paid no attention to while you were playing ball at 10 to 14, all of a sudden become attractive. So attractive that he snuck on down to Philistine country. And that's what we all do. Every one of us do it. So don't beat my brother up. Because he wouldn't have went down there if there were no sisters down there. It's important for you and I to understand that the willfulness of Samson is rooted in a mystery. Proverbs 20, 24 lays it out. I want you to get it. I'm laying this foundation because if you guys track with me right, then you'll get the end of the story. You'll get why Samson is called to the Philistine country. Listen to Proverbs 20, 24. Man's goings are what? Do you know what that means? That means ultimately God is in control of the way you're behaving. Now, you're doing things according to your own plans and schemes. You, you, you're working out and deliberating. And you're saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do the other thing. And God is up above it, superintending it to cause you to work it out the way he wants. Yeah. 
In fact, there are many times within the framework of what you're doing, you know you got a bunch of potholes in your scheme and you really know you're not that much in control. Come on now. You're in some control, but you ain't in that much control. And you're still trying to figure if it's going to work out too. Everybody is being governed by God. Man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then what? Understand his own way. Let me help you because, again, you and I live in a hyper man-centered humanistic culture where we lie about how much we know. We don't know much about nothing, especially about ourselves. And life is a mystery inside of me. And I'm doing things and you're doing things and we're trying to figure out why we are doing things. And the only time it becomes somewhat grounded and somewhat normative and somewhat rational and reasonable is when we anchor our will into God's will and then start operating within the parameters of God's will. Then it begins to make sense. Am I making some sense? But for the man or the woman that doesn't know God and doesn't walk with God, guess what the Bible says? They walk in total darkness. They know not at what they stumble. And for them, they're struggling. If you, you want to talk about all kinds of cognitive dissonance and all kinds of mental conflict, think about the man or the woman that's not anchored to God and trying to navigate this world by mere human logic. They know that there are powers and phenomenons and, 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 and realities behind, above, and beneath them that they have no handle on. They're just hoping that it works out. And those are the people that we're called to reach with the gospel because we have an anchor to our soul, Christ Jesus, the righteous one who's already entered into the heavens. What that means is we are guaranteed by the grace of God to make it there because he's our forerunner. Now on the way, you can make it look crazy or you can make it look rational. It all depends upon whether you are a scientist or an artist because we have these extremes going on, do we not? Right now, the scientists are telling you it is well, it is well, they're in control, but we know better than that. They're not in control. They're just as stupid and ignorant and blind and backwards as anything could be. And when the scientists lose their mind, it's time for us to listen to the poet because the poet is about to talk. This is why we love music. Because embedded in good music is revelation. Do you hear me? And this is why our Lord loved to sing. And this is why David was an artist. And this is why Samson is a poet. And he's going to do poetry all throughout this battle. So, I mean, we could do a little bit of sanctified thinking and talk about how when he got down there to Timna, how he pulled out some of his game on that sister. I mean, we could do that because, you know, he had game. The text is very terse. The text is very sharp. My point to you, however, is, is that Samson is being guided by God. Let me show you another proverb that underscores it. This is Proverbs 30, verse 18 and 19. Please, parents, do not miss what I'm saying. Because we live in a generation that is so screwed up when it comes to our kids. that we don't know the difference between the manipulation of ideology that's destroying their sense of normalcy and the organic production of a human being in the natural way of sociology. 
And when we are inclined to artificial modes of expression because we are beat down in such a way that we are now wanting to jump the fence around boundaries and do things that we know are contrary to life. That's not Samson. Samson is super clear headed. He saw a sister down in Timnah and she looked good. Does that require a lot of theology? Man, there be three things which are too wonderful for me, yea, four that I don't understand. I'm going to explain this triplet to you here in a second and keep moving. Verse 19, here it is, the way of an eagle in the air. That's one. The way of a serpent upon a rock. That's two. And the way of a man with his maid. That's three. Do you see it? Oh, I'm sorry. There's four here. I haven't been here in a long time. The way of a ship in the midst of the sea. I like that. And the way of a man with his maid. So let's take that that quadrant for a moment. What do they have in common? They have a destiny in common because they're going somewhere. And they have a methodology of of approach to get there. They are going from point A to point B. And in all of their going, their mode of operation is undetectable, undiscernible. You cannot trace it out. The way of an eagle in the air, you can't map it out. The way of a serpent upon a rock, you can't map it out. The way of a ship on the sea. You see the waves for a second and then they what? Dissipate. And the way of a man with his woman. This is the frustrating part about mama and daddy. When they're looking on that board trying to figure out is his head right with that girl he's dating. Am I making some sense? And that's what's going on with brother Samson. His mama and daddy are not quite figuring out what he's doing. Now, remember what they said. Let's get on to point number three. I I can unpack that in the gospel way, but you guys know we've done that many years ago. You can go there. I'm not going to do that here. Um, We'll deal with parables shortly. Now, let's let's look at our third point under our third sub point under our our, our sub points. And that is the will of his what? Look at chapter 14, verse seven. Notice what it says. I'm sorry. Uh, It's going to be verse four. Notice what it says in verse four under the will of his parents. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord. I'm sorry. Yeah. Knew not that it was of the Lord. Oh, uh, verse three. Then his father and his mother said unto him, is there never a woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all your people that you should take a wife of the what? Uncircumcised Philistines. Lift that up for a moment. Let's deconstruct it. What a great example of a mother and a father who wants their son to marry a godly woman. So here's the thing I want you to know about mom and daddy. They've got the preceptive will of God down. They are clear that the children of Israel were to marry within their own people group and as believers are to marry believers and not be unequally yoked. The parents are not, if you will, um, shy about letting their children understand the boundaries that God sets up. 
This is where last week I shared with you that a lot of parents idolatrize their children. Where their children have more authority over the parents than God does. Are y'all hearing me? Right. And so what will happen is children will drag anything in the house. And then mom and daddy having a fit and have to choose between the anything and their kids pleasure and losing their kids approval. Now, who's in control at that time? The children are. Am I making some sense? And, and this is the burden of every parent. None of us want our daughter to bring a, a, a tomcat home. <laughs> no, don't do it. And even with our boys, we want to make sure that our boys are not dealing with a troubled sister. That he can't rein in. Because what we know about that is, it's better to dwell in the corner of a rooftop. Is that true? So what we want for our kids is for him to make some sense when he makes his choices. And the sister that he's making a choice for can actually help him. Does that help? All right, let me share something with you then that is absolutely noble about Samson. Samson didn't just run down to Timnath and sow wild oats, jump on some sister and have some sex and then brung, brung her back home and said, Mom and Daddy, this is my wife. He didn't do that. He still had enough decorum to go to his parents for approval for his wife. See, he had been taught well. Am I making some sense? That's not the generation we live in. The generation we live in, our kids can grow up under the Bible and sing all the hymns. And then the next thing you know, they didn't forgot everything God has said. You see what I'm getting at now? Y'all see what I'm getting at here? Don't throw Samson under the bus. It would be a false narrative. Samson is still being obedient to his parents, but the Holy Ghost is driving him in a direction. And this is profound because think about this. Samson is honoring his mother and his father, but there are are, uh, other what we would call circumstantial and contextual factors that go into it. And I'm not going to press into it too far, but no person is really designed to be married to any other person where it doesn't have the parents in the family as a major protocol and principle behind the marriage. But in the 21st century in which I live, where family is shredded, destroyed, everybody's just marrying whoever they want to without regard to what mom and daddy has to say. This is your postmodern, irrational, neo-Marxist culture of hating God and hating the family and hating order and hating godly patriarchy. That's where we are. And you and I have suffered from it. Part of us have collapsed up under it. We grew up under it where we didn't have the chain of commands, where we didn't have the hierarchy of God and a godly father and a godly mother helping restrain the kids to at least think it through. Am I making some sense? Of course I am. You guys hear me say it every week. Now here's one. In spite of of the parents understanding the preceptive will of God, what the parents didn't quite get was the secret will of God. 
See, in spite of them understanding what Torah said, they did not comprehend what God was up to. We could go deep into this. I could take you back to the angel, to the Lord Jesus, who had revealed to mama and daddy that the very boy that they're going to have, which was a miracle child, will be for the beginning of the destruction of God's enemy called the Philistines. And we could have read into that narrative how they trained that boy up to be the heat-seeking missile that he is. A heat-seeking missile, not for mama and daddy, but for God. We are out of time today. We'll close our program out here and pick up where we left off next time we're together here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We trust it was profitable in your walk and relationship with Christ. Our goal here at Way of Grace is to make sure that you are growing in Christ, that you are living a life worthy of the calling that has been placed on your life from the gospel. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us here at Way of Grace. Our phone number is real easy. You can reach out to us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. You can also reach us at our website, grace-bible.com. And you can email us from that website as well as find out more about us, who we are, what we believe worship opportunities. In fact, our worship opportunities are really quite simple. Sundays at 1030, we meet here at the church in Hayward. We also have a Friday evening Bible study at 630 and then a Tuesday evening prayer and Bible study at 630 as well. For more information, again, grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Reach out to us by mail if you want to write 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. The zip code is 94541. As always, it's a pleasure spending time with you here in God's Word, growing in His grace. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.